0: You know, you have a powerful story. I'm Mary Demuth, and in this podcast, I share stories of everyday people who remind you that you're not alone as you untangle your own story. Because of the outrageous generosity of God, I believe you can experience a joyful restory moment right now. Remember, the old is gone, the new awaits. The restory show starts now. Season 4, Episode 17. Today's podcast is brought to you by my latest book, Jesus Every Day. It's a 365, 366, if you have leap year, day devotional. And it runs from Genesis to Revelation, which is unique. Um, And it, it features every book of the Bible, at least some sort of scripture. And I made it a point to have different kind of scriptures that we're not used to. So they're not the typical devotional scriptures. And so you'll get a scripture and then you will pray the scripture. And so instead of Jesus saying things to you, this is you saying things to Jesus. You can pick up a copy at any Christian bookstore, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, um, all the places books are sold. And so I would sure love if you could pick up a copy. Also, I would really appreciate it if you could do a little quick iTunes review, Um, run on over to iTunes today, write your two or three sentences and make my day. So thank you in advance for doing that. And if you want to share your story about how Jesus has intersected your life Go to marydemeath.com, and on the right-hand side, you'll see a little microphone, and I would say pick it up, but you can't, so click it, and you can record up to four minutes of your story, and we'll share that on the on a next episode. Today I am welcoming Talina Winters, and she has a story of extreme tragedy, but wow, what growth and what she has learned about Jesus in the aftermath will astound you. So um, I'm not going to give away what she's going to share. So I will let her do that herself. But let's welcome Talena. Hey, everyone. It's Mary DeMuth, the three-story show. And today, I'm really excited to have Talena Winters with us today. Talena, thanks so much for coming on the show.
1: No problem. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah. So listeners know a little bit about you. Just share a little bit about growing up and uh, where you are right now. Like if you have kids and job and all that kind of stuff.
1: Absolutely. So I'm from Alberta, born in Braised, born and bred. Uh, just so you know, you know where that is. That's a province in Canada. Yes, <laughs> <I'm> sorry. <laughs> Some people don't know. I did live in Arkansas for six months, and you'd be surprised. Anyway, I grew up in central Alberta, and I grew up in a home where my mom went to church and my dad didn't, and they had a horrible marriage. And when I was fifteen, they split up, and. Um, that was also the year that I got saved. and I'm so, so thankful for that because I did some stupid stuff in the next few years after that, but without Jesus, I would have been in a in a lot worse shape. let's put it that way. So I had always kind of wanted to not go to college. I don't know why I, I I just I was by the time I graduated from school, I was just done, but I had been felt I'd felt called into missions for a couple of years and I'd started checking into programs but they all seemed to either need you to have some kind of a professional degree like nursing or something and commit to like a, a year or two or they were all these really really short-term missions uh, like a year or two and I'm like no I, I feel like I need to do something more than that so it was about two years after I graduated I had worked but then I ended up going on a a six-month mission trip to India. And that is actually how I got to know my husband. And there's a little bit more to that backstory, of course, but I'm just going to leave it with that, that we got to know each other there. And um, it was two years after that, that we got married. Uh, He was from my hometown, but we did not get to know each other until we went to India. So that was pretty neat how God worked that out.
0: That's so weird (laughs) and amazing. (laughs)
1: yeah he's four years older than me it's funny we did have one date when I was in high school because he had he had come home from bible college or something and I actually asked him on this date I was like that's the kind of guy I'd like to hang out with and we went we went to I think the lion king or something (laughs) in the theater and then after that I wrote in my journal that's exactly the kind of man I want to marry and he went away thinking I'm never going to see her again (laughs) It's funny how God has a sense of humor but uh we did get married in in 2000 and 4 years later we moved to northern alberta i, I currently live in uh, or around the town of peace river alberta which if you ever look up on the map is very far north and i love it up here actually we have a really great community and it's a beautiful place to live and um yeah it's it's just got a great great community here so
0: is it so very cold? Oh, and,
1: uh, it, it is in the winter time, especially compared to Texas. That's where you are, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, yeah, it it can be cold in the winter time, but it's nice because in the summer, you know, you only need AC for a couple of months, and you know, for the most part, it's good. <laughs> so, as far as my as my kids are concerned, uh, we do have we have three boys living and one boy who um, who died two years ago. And actually that's the story I'm going to be sharing today. So we'll get more of that, of that in a minute. But my oldest three boys, they are 14, 13 and 11. I'm one of those moms I have to think about how my, how my kids are.
0: Yeah, I hear you.
1: <laughs> but they're wonderful boys.
0: So you hinted at the story you want to share. Um, why don't you share a little bit about what happened with your son?
1: Okay. Well, he, it's, it's a really amazing story and I'm, I'm happy to share it. So I'm, but please excuse me if I get emotional today. Of course. Um, of
0: course. Uh, so
1: when I was like in high school and I know this is going back, but in high school, I saw a feature in focus on the family magazine about a family who had adopted like eight or 10 children. And I had at that point just went, Wow. I would love to do that. I would love to be able to be that family that adopts kids that need a home, that just need a great place to live. And, you know, I'd love to do that at least once. So even when I first met my husband, I I was telling him this, that eventually, like, I'd like to have my own kids naturally, natural kids, but then also adopt at least one child. And he was kind of like, okay, yeah, okay. And then he's like, definitely I want to have our own family you know, finish having our own children first. And I'm like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. So, Uh, When our third son, uh, which we had decided would be our last natural child, when he was about four, kind of brought this up to him again, because I really, really wanted to have another kid. And he's like, okay, well, you know, I actually had been bringing it up for a couple years, but it was when when, when our third son was four that... My husband was like, okay, yeah, I suppose if we're going to do this, we should do it before much too much time passes. We don't want too big of an age gap between them or anything. And chances are whoever we adopt will be at least a toddler, if not older. Because we were looking at doing do the uh, child and family services, right? Because we really needed a home. So we started going through the process. We were already living in Peace River at that time. And this is a very small community. It's about 7,000 people. But it's actually the biggest community for like two hours around here.
0: So you're the big city.
1: We are the big city. Yeah. So this <laughs> is quite a big area, but we're quite remote in in a lot of ways because it is so far north. There's not a lot of communities north of us between us and the Northwest Territories border. So, you know, yeah, people come here to shop, believe it or not. <laughs> anyway, um, but because we are far north and, and remote, there's lots of staffing issues and things. And that's true in the child and family services. So we kind of got started on the process. And then it got stalled out because uh, they didn't have the staff to come to come finish, you know, doing the home check with us and things like that. And we we're kind of like, OK. And I, I just had this cry in my heart. And I'm like, OK, God, you know, I, if, if, if we're not meant to have a kid, I need you to take that desire away from me. To meant to adopt a child. Either that or change my husband's heart because as time went on, he also kind of got more and more hard towards the idea. He, I think he felt a lot of pressure being a dad with our three boys and he's a wonderful father. He's like an amazing father, but you know, he was kind of one of those guys who was just like, I, I'm not sure I can handle being father to a fourth kid. And you know, a lot of the kids you get through the, through the child and family services system, they've had, they've got problems. They have had a really rough background, even if you get them at quite a young age. And so I think he was really nervous about that. So I was like, okay, God, well, you know, I guess you just got to work this out. So like a year or two passed. And um, we finally, finally, I think it was October of 2012. We got a call front after it had been like a year since we'd heard from them they, we got a call and they're like yeah we finally have a staff member to come and finish your home check do you still want us to do this and I was like oh my goodness I don't know if I do hmm. <laughs> and so I told her we would get back to her and I talked to my husband about it. I'm like you know what I actually don't really feel like I need to do this anymore I'm not sure that I do and 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 he's like I don't I'm like okay well I guess that's a no from us. I guess God's answered my prayer. He took that desire away from me. I was happy with our family the way it was. Well, it's not the first time in my life that God has brought me to a place of just being really okay with how things were and then giving me what I desired along. And that happened with my husband, by the way, Mm. but that's a different story. So it was literally only four months later. We had a birthday party for my second son, who I can't remember how old he was turning. It was 2012. He was turning eight. Um, So we had this birthday party at the pool and we ran into some friends there. They were, they're good friends to us, but their adult daughter had had a child. He was almost one. And so our friend was there with, with his grandson. And that day shared with my husband afterwards that his daughter was not, wanting to be a single mom anymore and she 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 was really really struggling with it she was having a hard time and 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 they were actually already raising another one of her her children that she'd had and um like a long time ago she was much much younger when she'd had that one but and you know we were friends we're friends with all of them we were friends with grandpa and grandma we're friends with with uh their daughter and you know their kids their kid was friends with our kids anyway they were like, we don't know what we're going to do. Um, the grandparents had such severe health problems and they were at an age they're like, we can't adopt another kid right now. You know, we can't, we might not live long enough to raise them or whatever. And they were just crying because they didn't, they would, I mean, they had all been living in the same home for the whole time that he had had um, since he had been born. And, um, and it was just like, we don't want to give him up either because he's like our, he's our kid. And, um, I don't know. It's, it's funny how God worked things out because I didn't know any of this was happening. I was having, you know, this was like coffee after the birthday party and I was talking to a different friend. So we get home from this, from this coffee. And my husband's telling me what, what was going on and everything that was happening. And he said that he had, he had mentioned to our friend uh, that, that maybe a a young couple like us who knew them could adopt uh, their grandson and And it kind of spiraled out out of control from there. I don't think my husband exactly was volunteering us, but it's kind of how they took it. And so we started having all these talks. And honestly, it was like a week later, we were talking with the family and we were trying to figure out ways to even just support them to keep their grandson with them. And it just, it wasn't happening. He had just started walking. And during that week, he actually started walking and grandma who was home with him all the time couldn't even pick him up. So that's a huge for a a one-year-old toddler. And so it was a really dire situation. And so within a week, he was in our home. And so it was really, really fast. And within a few days after that, they were like, no, we want, we want you guys to have him. And so, I mean, it was it's really amazing because without it happening that fast, there's no way it would have happened for us. I still was open to having a, another child through adoption, even though God had taken the desire away from me. Um, but my husband probably would not have, you know, if he'd had time to think about it, he would have he would have said no. But because of the way it happened, our our son, who, whom we renamed Levi, ended up in our home. And it was this amazing story. You know, like it was hard incredibly hard but it was also good my older kids they were all so excited to have another brother in the house this other family they were grateful to have us have their kid uh, and so that they could still be part of the family like they could still be grandpa and grandma and and the birth mother could still be part of his life but it's also it was a lot more complicated I think in some ways than a traditional adoption because of that these people were our friends so we're grieving for them. They're grieving. We're grieving for our kid who's grieving, right? Levi is only one, but he he had already bonded to his grandpa pretty strongly and and you know there's attachment things that we had to learn. Um I didn't have we didn't have any time to prepare. Our third son at that time was seven. And so we were also grieving because it was the first time in our lives that we're we were really starting to feel like our kids were becoming independent and we could start to go do something.
0: <laughs> yes.
1: And have a one-year-old again, and you know, I think I would like just that summer before. I finally gotten rid of all of our baby stuff. You know, <laughs> it's just like, mm-hmm. oh my goodness. So, anyways, that was that was his adoption story, and it it was pretty powerful. Um, but again, difficult. But it really drew our community together. It's funny because it's not, as I said, not a very big town, but lots of people already knew him and knew that knew that family and knew us and. And it drew our family together, even though it was really, really difficult the things that we had to do and to, to go through to make it all work. <sighs> so anyway, so if I can, I'll just keep on going on if it's okay to.
0: Yes, yes. So, <laughs> okay. But it's good to know that part of the story because it gives us context for what, you know, what happens next.
1: So um, when Levi turned through, like Levi was a very, very active kid, very strong-willed and resourceful and just full of fire and life and energy and so smart and just loved being outside we live on an acreage and um we had like chickens and he would go and he if he wanted to be in there in the run he would find a way to get in there you know he it doesn't matter that he can't reach the, <laughs> the handle or whatever he'd find a way to get in there so just a really smart kid really determined to do his own way and ever since even when we first got him it it took a long one, time to train him No, on certain things like, you know, don't touch that or don't do this. And he had to often experience things himself before he would figure it out. We had another son. Our firstborn son was was similar to that. So we were always drawing comparisons between the two of them. And he was at that point, he was already 12 or 13. And we were starting to see some of the fruits of our labor. So it was like, oh, good. If we keep going, this should work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, so. And, and of course, his favorite fascination was vehicles. Uh, from from one year old when we had him, I mean, he just loved every vehicle, and um, loved his brothers. Loved to play. Well, in June of 2015, unfortunately, like we were you we were working on the don't don't play around vehicles, don't run towards vehicles thing, don't hide around them. But uh, he thought it would be clever to go hide. Behind Daddy's truck, Mm. as taking my other kids to school. So that that morning changed everything for us. I don't want to go into details because it's it's quite shocking and often hard for people to hear. But it was very traumatic. It was traumatic for all of us because we had to take him to the hospital ourselves. Uh, You know and. So he died on the way there. My my mm-hmm. other children were all in the when it happened, and they were all in the vehicle. The you know through the whole morning, we all went to the hospital together. Sorry, I'm just kind of blanking out where I was going from here.
0: <laughs> so they were in the car while he passed away, and were did they see that, or were they were you shielding them from that, or was it just so chaotic you couldn't? I mean, it was just too much to think about at that time.
1: Well. We were in my husband's truck. They were all in the back seat. I was holding Levi in the front seats. But I mean, they saw it, saw enough.
0: Yes. And honestly,
1: (laughs) I didn't even see the actual accident, but I have a very vivid imagination. And it was even traumatic enough for me knowing what had happened. And then, and then being the one holding him as we went to town. Anyway, this is about how, how God has used this to, to change me and change our lives and actually change our community. So I'm going to, I'm just going to move on from there and keep that in mind. Our Community is, as I said, it's it's pretty amazing, but I never knew how amazing it was until that happened. We were in the hospital for two hours, and by the time we left, I already had a voicemail on my phone from from uh, the, a professional colleague. I'm a music teacher, and it was another the Music Teachers Association had called and said, "We're so sorry. We heard what happened, and we want to make sure that you know you guys are blessed, we'll give you food. We'll you know we'll prep." you know we'll we'll arrange to get you guys food for a while and things like that and i was just like how did she even hear but it was it was fire um between people in the community asking people to pray and online it just it was all over alberta basically with, within that day and i had an online presence already i was already a blogger and um and had an active presence so Eventually, I think over that night, I did even post something about it on my blog just so people would know that we were having a major crisis and, and keep people informed. And so, yeah, my sister who lives in Seattle was already on a plane, I think, by three hours into the day. And and it was crazy. Our friends from church were already arranging things for us they and we have friends in BC they piled their four kids into their van as soon as they heard and they drove out here and they stayed here for a week and just like cooked for us and cleaned our house and and blessed us and so you know I've I mean I've, I've learned a lot of things and I, and I feel I know how blessed we are because there are a lot of people that do not get that kind of experience when they have a tragedy like this happen so that's actually one of the things I I try to tell people about now it's like you know what you can be an amazing blessing to somebody who's having a hard time just by doing something really cool. um, I had one friend that we're not you know we're not super close but she was a friend from the community and she texted me every day I think for like three or four months she just texted me encouragements every day and just stuff that people did they just poured into us and blessed us and it was incredible but not only that there were so many people in the community that knew him and and you know with a child death being so tragic at his funeral we were able to to share about our family and and what had happened and his story and how God had just brought us all together and it was really powerful testimony Um, my husband was up giving the eulogy that I wrote and Levi's grandpa was standing there right beside him to help him out just in case he he had a moment but my husband's pretty amazing and he did make it through there on his own but just seeing the two of them up there together after a tragedy like that was a huge test, especially to a lot of unbelievers that were there. And they just couldn't understand how their family could still love us and still want to associate with us after something like that had happened. Anyway. Okay. So I had just released my first book. Actually, I had uploaded it to my, my distributor five hours before Levi died. So that's, how these things had, I had been up really late the night before kind of figure it out because I'm self-published. And then the next morning he died. So a lot of craziness. And so I had had this plan to go on and write something like, like a young adult fantasy thing next. But as that summer went on and I was just working through my grief and I would blog about it a lot and stuff like that. So that was really helpful. Um, but as I was working through it, God brought me back to this other idea he'd given me several years before about, um, about a woman who was a who was dealing with the hurts of sexual abuse, and um, it it's funny I couldn't you know I haven't yet read an entire book about child loss, but God used this idea of, as I was researching and and reading these things about uh, childhood sexual abuse and and other things. God really used that to show me some things about my own past, growing up in an emotionally abusive home, things that I had dealt with there, but also. Because grief is the same, no matter what it is you're having to grieve, God used those books that I was reading to help me deal with the loss of my son. And uh, so it's just, it's just amazing. He's so good. He'll use anything. Um, and he does. But uh, the other thing that, the reason why I finally was ready to write that book, because I, when I first had the idea, I wasn't sure I'd ever be able to write it. But at that point, I knew I needed to write it, um, was as Christians, especially if Christians who are raised in church, but even even ones who aren't, we are often taught to look at God as as a magic luck charm, protective. You pray for protection, and and everything will be good, right? Um, if you are His blessing, you will be fine. You those who you love will be fine, and it's it's something that God has really used this experience to. To show me a, a more clear picture of who he is and what he does. And uh, and he never promises that. He never promises that we will be protected from all harm. But unfortunately, a lot of people who believe that, if something tragic does happen to them, that's when they get angry and turn away from God. They're like, well, what good are you But that's not about how he works. He promises to be with us through all of it. He, he never wants walked away from our family he never once. it when when I was sitting there questioning because something like this does make you question you know when I was going through all that real questioning time he was there He, he was just he just kept walking me through it you know and and he could handle it right he wasn't scared by my questions he wasn't scared by my anger and he just kept on taking me to the next level so there I was, all in all these broken pieces, and basically questioning the very foundations of my faith. And uh, that's when I started to see that God's work is, is making, is in redemption. And I know it's ridiculous, because that's what we know as Christians. We know that God's work is to to redeem, but we don't really think about how that applies to our lives and how He took that situation and how He's redeemed it. And and He's even though He never He never Caused Levi's death. He didn't allow it per se, and I'm going to go back to that because I, I missed one of the ideas I wanted to talk about. You know, we have that question that always goes around: Why does bad stuff happen to good people? And the thing is, bad stuff happens to everybody because we live in the world we live in. And you know, of course, as the mother of that son, one of the of my son, I I, I kept questioning him like, I know you were there, God. Why didn't you do something? Why didn't you protect my son? He was just, he didn't know what he was doing. And of course, I have also dealt with a lot of guilt on my own part for not being the one to be there to protect him either. But he was, he made his own choices as well. And that's something I'm still struggling to accept, that he did choose that, even though he knew it was something he shouldn't do. Anyway, but God sees it differently than we do. Like for him, Levi's home with him now. It's not, it's not a loss for him. He didn't allow it to happen per se, but he doesn't ever, if we have chosen sin, whoever it is, God doesn't protect us from the consequences of sin or other people's sin. And that's what's hard to accept. It's like bad things happen because we sin, other people sin, and we're in a fallen world. And so that's the way it is. But God doesn't waste any of that pain he will use it. If we let him, he'll use it to make us beautiful and to more something even more beautiful than before. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of images that I've just kind of held to my heart over the last couple of years, uh, like the stained glass window, because, you know, the more different broken panes in a stained glass window, the more beautiful it is.
0: Mm-hmm. That's
1: Jesus' light. Right. I also love the image of uh, kintsugi. Have you ever heard of that? I haven't. Kintsugi is a Japanese art where they take broken pottery, and they actually repair it using precious metals. So if you ever look it up on on Google or or anything, it's it's amazing. They have these pieces of, of pottery or ceramics that have been like literally crushed, and you can just see these veins of gold or silver as they have been repaired. And the idea of the art is to celebrate the history of the piece, to celebrate that brokenness. And you look at those and you think that's even more beautiful now than it would have been when it was whole before. Mm. And when I first saw that, I was just like, wow, God, like, that's what I want for me. And that's how I want to help other people become is to allow that your beauty to be what Binds me together, basically.
0: That's a beautiful picture. Definitely a beautiful picture.
1: I, I'm not the only one who's thought of that. Apparently, I've seen it other other places since sure, sure. I saw that myself.
0: <laughs> so how has how has God redeemed this hard story? Like, what other ways has He helped you grow as a result of it?
1: Well, there have been hurts healed in both. Levi's birth family and in my family that would not have been probably healed for many years or or maybe ever otherwise. Uh, I don't want to go into too much detail because a lot of those are personal for, for the people involved but uh, for myself it's, it's given me a boldness, it's totally reset my priorities. Um, I used to be really afraid about talking about my faith on my blog because I was afraid of offending people and turning them away. And now I'm like, this is the most important thing. This is what it's about. It's all about love. And it's all about loving people. And if you, if we don't, I mean, if I really love people, if I really want people to know, then I'm going to tell them these important things. I'm not going to be talking about something that doesn't matter. So I talk about my faith a lot now. My entire focus of my of my blog and my ministry is has been reset in to helping people just heal, become better, um, turning them towards Jesus. And I don't, I still don't do that in a super blatant way, but I, I mean, I just it's part of who I am. I just talk about that, and so I'm just because God, Jesus is love. I, I firmly believe if 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 people are are healing, He's He's the one healing them, and He's going to bring them to a, a full place and and to into His family as well. Trying to get out of the way of the Holy Spirit, I guess, um, and just and just letting Holy Spirit work. It's totally reset my priorities. I used to be really, really busy, and I know I I, I blogged about this when I was when I was blogging about your story, your book that I read, Mary Thin Places. How how reading that um, really helped me to see the the root behind uh, why I was so busy and driven all the time, and uh, and I've just really stepped back and reprioritized because I only had two years with Levi did spend a lot of time with him, but I, I looking back, I, I feel like I was often distracted by the things that I felt like I, I should be doing instead, instead of just enjoying being with my son. So now I have restructured my life so that in the evenings when my other children are home from school or on the weekends, the, I can just spend time with them. I don't have to be doing things. I used to have to be busy even when I was at rest. I would be knitting or something, and... In the last year, probably, yeah, just within the last year, has been the first time I, in, in, for most of my life, that I've been okay with just sitting, being still, and not doing something, and just enjoying stillness. I give others a lot more grace. (laughs) You know, you walk around in that kind of situation for a long time, and and I'm the kind of person I don't want to bring other people down because I'm down. But uh, you know, there were days I did not like myself. And, uh, you know, so now when I, when I come across somebody who's, who's short or, or like short tempered, I mean, or, or just really grumpy or whatever, uh, I just give them a lot more grace. I'm like, I have no idea what they're going through today and try to build them up, try to give them a reason to smile for even just for a minute.
0: So as you look back on, you know, what you went through and just all the amazing restoring that went on, as well as the grief what kind of advice would you give to somebody who is grieving today, who's grieving the loss of someone they loved? I would
1: say to pray a lot and just be open to the changes that God could work through you. Uh, I, I believe that grief is probably the, the greatest tool for reforming us to be more like Christ. But if we, if we harden our hearts, it's also the greatest tool for hardening us into a more bitter and sinful path. So grief makes us pliable. And it's a time in our life where it rocks us to deep enough in our, in our, in our core that we can change. We can, we can become someone better than we used to be if we let it. So prayer and just seeking after God is so important keep looking for the answers to your questions because he, he will find you. And he says that, you know, if you seek, you will find, you know, look for look, terrible, terrible mangling. Of <laughs> you
0: know? When you search with, for him with your whole heart, yes, he will be found by yeah. you. <laughs> yes.
1: And I also found that both writing out my, my grief process and reaching out to others was really important. Uh, people want to help you but they don't necessarily know what to do. The 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 outpouring we had, people were were often like, I don't know how to help you. And so I kind of was like, well, would you guys do this? I, I One of my friends was like, I'd love to help you. I'm like, you know what? She's a great manager. I'm like, could you just please be our lazy liaison to the funeral home? I don't want to have to answer all their silly questions about, you know, what color of flowers to have or whatever like can you just go take care of that she's like sure i'd love to do that and that kind of thing i had another friend she's like what can i do i'm like can you come help me with my garden she's like sure i would love to do that so it's really important people want to help but they don't know what to do so so let them know don't be afraid to say i need help today or even just reaching out when you're having a really hard day and saying i just need some prayer today i i really hard day and people usually love to um love to help you out if they can they just don't know what to do
0: so that's huge too that is big and and i think you know for the other people who have a friend who is grieving it's often just instead of saying what can i do to help just doing tangible things and anticipating someone's need uh like you said, bringing meals and doing things just super tangible and practical are are such blessings. Or just sitting with you like that, I think that can be very powerful as well. So as you you've kind of hinted at this, but over the past year, how has God restored you? Yeah, I, I probably
1: I probably kind of just went over it. Yeah, when I said well, resetting my priorities, um, just really stepping back away from being so busy all the time and. I, one thing I didn't mention is, is that I've, I've focused, I used to be really driven in a lot of different areas, but I've just been finding that as I, as I pare back, I'm also paring back my interests because I only have so much time and, and I really want to give my boys, I mean, youngest is almost 13. I've only really got five or six years and they're all going to be out of the home. It's like, I really want to give them that time right now. There will be more plenty more time afterwards, if I do want to pick up other interests again. But um, yeah, and and the other thing is that, I mean, I never intended to be um, uh, helping, I mean, I always wanted to help others, but when I was blogging through my grief, and even since then, since that first year, I, it wasn't really my intention so much as to help others through their grief, I was just really kind of getting it out there but I had a lot of people who 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 said to me like what you what you wrote here really blessed me or what you wrote here helped me to deal with something that I was going through and so I think uh one of the things I've really focused on intentionally in the last year is is encouraging people to tell their own stories because you never your brokenness is going to help someone else heal and has so powerful.
0: Very true. And, you know, here at the Restory Show, we're always talking about stories. So it's a really nice way to end today's podcast. So, Talina, thank you so much for sharing your story. Thank you for your vulnerability. I know that's a tender story, it's fairly fresh, and yet God is doing something beautiful in your life. So, thank you so much for sharing it today. And thank you for having me, Mary, and for the opportunity. I really appreciate it. Thank you for listening to The ReStory Show. Do you mind if I pray for you? Lord Jesus, thank you so much for Tolina's story. And wow, what a hard story. Lord, I pray for those in The ReStory audience today who have lost someone they loved. And Lord, would you just be with them in their grief? Would you cry alongside? Would you weep alongside? Would you hold? Would you hear? Would you listen? Would you show that you see? Because sometimes in the middle of grief, it's really dark and it's really hard to see your light. Lord, help us to love the people in our families so spectacularly well that we will not have regret, Um, that we can look back on the way we loved and thought, you know what, we love to our fullest. And we can't do that without your Holy Spirit guiding us and helping us not to be bitter and helping us to forgive. And so we rely on you to help us to be loving and interactive with our family today. Help us to hug um, those people in our lives that are special to us even closer. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'd like more information about today's show, head on over to marydemuth.com forward slash 4-17. And may you live a brand new story this week.